Hi everybody, Jack here. Before the episode starts, I just want to take a moment to thank some of our patrons for making this all possible. Thank you to M. Mosin, Alti, and Ali Science. And a reminder that our patron tiers have changed since the last few episodes, so I would double check and make sure that you are still signed up for the tier you want to be. Anyway, on with the episode. Whatever we do, it has to be big enough for a full crew evacuation and scary enough that it'll be too chaotic for them to run a headcount right away. But not too big or too scary for the captain to make the call to start using the escape pods. Oh, a delicate balance, to be sure. I was thinking a power outage in the cell blocks? You three would be running the risk of getting stuck. All the doors lock electronically. That's right. Nemesine owns the patent. Well, in my very well-trained eyes... Some minor engine sabotage seems like a safer option. Get it! You've done this before! But I can't see it working without bringing a crew member into the fold. More bodies just means more problems. think it's more suspicious if we suddenly stop talking every time someone walks by? If I heard a conversation stop in here, I'd really want to know what it was the head of neurology didn't want me to hear. I'm a private person. Maybe I don't want anyone to hear anything. That's believable. Given your, uh, proclivities. My proclivities? What if we figured out a way to cause a power outage while we were out of our cells, but everyone else was in theirs? They wouldn't do a head count if the door stayed locked, but it's procedure for crew to evacuate to the cargo hold. Why wouldn't they just evacuate the escape pods? So it's easier for the guards to do a check on everyone going into the pods, to make sure nobody's, um, you, you know. Escaping the inescapable space prison. Yeah, that. How do you know all this? I read the station's employee handbook last night. The whole thing? I've hardly even skimmed it. Damn. And we all know how you love dense, boring reading material. Just because I got my PhD doesn't mean I enjoyed getting it. You honestly always seem like more of a fiction man to me. Really? Why? It just seems like if you see the beginning of something, you have to see it to the end. But everyone wants a narrative to be linear. Not everyone needs it, though. How do you feel about causing a power outage, Hugo? Good? Hmm. We'll need the electrical plans for the station. I can get those from Roger. Great. We also need to talk about the guards, because I know the vents will get us pretty far, but... Clarence, dear, I understand you're working through some big feelings, but I could do with a little less lecture and a little more sympathy. 
We're having to start from scratch, practically, with a brand new subject and a neurologist who has been getting more uncooperative by the day. We're doing our best up here and making excellent progress, all things considered. I know we need results and I am getting results. How about this? Instead of thinking about the numbers, you think about how much my little trip to the final frontier is going to help your current project. Once we know how to translate all the data from these trials into programming language, we're golden. We'll have a prototype within a year. And how about you remember that your favorite sister left her penthouse and her office and her dog so that she could come up here and do all this work for you? I know this isn't working out the way we'd hoped, but it is working. I'm sure of it, okay? There he is. That's my Clary. I'll send you some reports tonight, okay? All right, bye-bye. Lucy? Roger, how can I help you? I got Vincent's files from Dr. Cavendish. Doesn't seem like she sustained too much, uh lasting damage from the test she was running, and none of those tests would have done anything to her brain anyway. That's wonderful news. And you're sure this is a good idea? Things are kind of... tense, putting it mildly. I'm no psychologist, but I feel like dragging another one of their friends kicking and screaming into all this could turn into something... unmanageable. How could it? No one in this department is allowed to blink without my knowledge, least of all Aster and Mix Algernon. Just because they aren't allowed doesn't mean they won't. I'm only saying things could get messy. They're all pretty smart, you know, and you're about to ask Vic to try to kill someone they know. Again. They're very smart, that's true, but what's knowledge without power? <laughs> that's a good one. Thank you. The files? Right. Here. Thank you. Do you have a copy for Aster as well? I can get one. We're doing all right for ourselves here, Roger. I really think that machine can do some long-lasting damage. Imagine what it could do for interrogations or reconnaissance missions. I know, Luce. Don't call me Luce. Imagine entire wars being fought in the theater of the mind. The same amount of victory, of damage, for half the cost. None of that inefficient trench warfare paratrooper bullshit. And if my brother manages to combine what we learn here with his newest robotics endeavor, we won't even have to train people how to use it. You know you've told me this before, we right? We don't have to separate the world of science into human and machine. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't. It's counterproductive, especially where weapons development is concerned. The fact that my position here is the closest Nemesine and Jessia have come to working together is a tragically missed opportunity. Those damn trustbusters. Those damn trustbusters. Well. And the power outage won't take out the cameras and microphones. If the station is anything like, uh, uh, like their prisons on Earth. Yeah. The backup generator will move power to surveillance before it moves anything to the overhead lights or locks. Easier to look through the footage later and figure out who did what than to try and stop anything in the moment. Exactly. Cameras might not be a problem. It'll just look like I'm escorting you. 
I don't know about that. Lucy's waiting for you to slip up and show your loyalty to us again. I think it's more likely she'd take one look at you going anywhere with us during a blackout and she'd hang you for treason. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, your authority isn't really an alibi, at least not here. Right. But your ID card is. You're still a vital part of this operation, of course. So, the cameras. Is there a way we could do something to the generator? Reprogram how it sends out power or delay its start until we're gone? If one of us were a station electrician, sure. We could use the vents, sneak in or something. No, the vents are far too unreliable what for- What's that little evil robot? What? what? That robot you told me about. The late Warren Kane's uh, magnum opus. Kane? Yes, Dr. Kane. Have you already forgotten? Huxley, this may be some lasting brain damage from your tribes. No! Kane was the name of the program. Why the hell are you bringing it up? It's still around, right? Turned off, yes. But it did access the ship's oxygen supply. Why couldn't it do the same to a generator? Generators run independently of all the other systems. That's their point. So we move the robot. I don't know The program's too unstable to rely on. For all we know, it, it could turn the cameras back on and call Lucy to tell her the escape pod's landing coordinates. If we made it that far. That's a good point, though. Where are we landing, or where do we want to land, I guess? The pods are programmed to fly to Nemesine headquarters in San Francisco, so we'll have to reprogram ours on the way. I don't know if that's even possible. I'll start doing my homework, though. Our other option is creating a second escape plan for when we land. Are they equipped for, like, a crash landing? That's an excellent point, Miss Kroger. Not sure I'm following. Instead of reprogramming the pod, we just turn it off and let it crash. Then the hard part would be timing our escape with Nemesine's orbit to make sure it crashes where we want it to. That should work. We may not even have to crash, assuming cutting off its programming doesn't cut off its engine. Which brings us back to your first point. Where do we want to land? I know a place that'll take us. The Autonomous Zone. Yeah. Are you sure they'll take us? Uh, yeah. Taking people in is their whole thing. Are you sure they'll take you in again? Of course I am. And and don't presume you know what happened between me and those guys. They're family. Absolutely nothing has changed that. Okay. I trust you. So do I. Chicago, right? That's the one. I robbed a bank there once. Lovely place this time of year. I don't understand you. Thank you. And by the way, there's no need to worry about the ship's audio surveillance. I have a few tricks up my sleeve that are going to... The following is the proceedings of Project MJ54512, trial number 0289, recorded by Dr. Mildred Cavendish. Trial 0289 and testing the use of a new serum designed by Jesse Jacob to increase physical resistance to changes in temperature features subject J28F. 
I have made some changes to the diluent since the last trial, which will hopefully allow the dose to last the entire length of this trial. Last week's trial saw a premature end to the subject's resistance. Not so good. You're saying this shit could wear off early? Assuming it works for you at all. There's a 1 in 25 chance your blood is resistant to its effects. Now hold still. You're just okay with doing this to people. You give people heat stroke and frostbite all day and then what? You go have dinner with your friends? Dinner and a glass of wine. Yes, I have a case shipped up every three months. And it doesn't bother you? Not even a little? We can't all be the bleeding heart, do no harm martyrs that Dr. Huxley has made himself out to be. I never said... He's no Jonas Salk, you know. Oh, believe me. I know. I'm just wondering how... Ow! There. In about two minutes, the serum should kick in and the temperature of the room will begin rising. I will be, as ever, monitoring the subject's internal temperature, which should remain in stasis. Unless I'm lucky number 25. Precisely. I appreciate your grasp of statistical probability. Ugh. Have fun, Miss Grover. And if you feel another one of your famous outbursts coming on, remember you chose to come to Nemesine. And you chose to come to me. Not many people get to choose the circumstances of their worst-case scenarios. Consider yourself lucky. Beginning trial 028901. Lucky. Roger, I've been looking for you. Oh, Dr. Huxley? Isn't that lucky? I was on my way to your office. That is lucky. May I ask why? Got this for you, courtesy of Lucy. Uh, she wanted you to know as much as possible about the new subject before they start. Hopefully it'll make things run a little smoother, since we're behind schedule. I didn't know there was a schedule. Jezia people have always got a schedule. I'm beginning to learn that the subject's name is redacted on all of these. Hmm. So it is. Why? That's above my pay grade. I'm only the messenger. If I had to guess, though, I'd say Lucy's keeping you from knowing any more about the person than you have to is a way of, uh, nipping your fraternization habit in the bud. I was wondering if you had access to the electrical blueprints for the station. Sure do. I can get you a copy. It's a little, you know, suspicious. So if anyone starts asking, you didn't get it from me. Of course. Can I ask what you need them for? I believe telling you about my personal life would count as fraternization. Fair enough. Um, I'll bring them by tomorrow. Thank you. I guess I won't tell Lucy how much you've been helping Vic with his engineering education either. Oh, uh, Lucy knows all about that. 
I guess you just trust me a little more. Got me on a longer leash, as it were. What are those? Truffle chips. Would you like some? I, the mushrooms? No, like the chocolates. How did they afford to get wonders of the modern food industry, Victor? No thanks. Uh, what do you think is in that uh, envelope Huxley gave me? Mm, poison. No. Mm, upper tickets. No. A key to a storage unit somewhere in Michigan. Inside of which you will find another key to another storage unit in North Carolina. Which contains a set of stairs that descend into a... No. A love letter? That's the most reasonable thing you said. How it's not, though. Why? I would love a love letter. It's addressed to him. Why would I want to read someone else's love letter? Perhaps it was a show of trust. Here is a piece of me. I want you to have it. That sort of thing. He gave something for the two of you to have in common. I think we have enough in common. Are you going to open it? Yeah, eventually. Soon. I just... I need a little more time to think. Well, for the record, I think it's sweet. I love a gesture of sentimentality. Even though... Huxley doesn't seem like the sentimental type. I don't know if it's a gesture of sentimentality. I, I, I don't know if it's a gesture at all. That's what worries me, you know? Perhaps he's trying to frame you for mail theft. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hmm. Well, he trusts you. You know that much. Yeah? Yeah. He does. Today's episode was written by Jack Loney. It featured Leland Heed as Victor Algernon, Varus Zima as Aster Huxley, Serena Johnston as Jules Krober, Finn Carter as Roger Morris, Noelle Salisbury as Lucy Calvin, E.G. Taraku as Hugo Highsmith, and Artemis Jack Gonstarov as Mildred Cavendish. Our editor is Stoker Leopold, and our music is by Sloan Van Dyke. If you like what we do here and want to see more of our shows, follow us on social media or support us on Patreon, all of that information will be linked in the description below. Thank you for listening.